So um, he's taking Kant one step further. Well, without Kant, he wouldn't have dreamed it up. Without Kant, he wouldn't have known. I mean, that's that's also obvious. I mean, Kant, yeah, made the first, Kant made the first brilliant step, and and Fichte made the second second uh, brilliant step, and. That, that is excellent. The, the, what she said now, that is brilliant because uh, throughout all this uh, introduction there is this uh, the fact that ego is um, um, uh, that ego is help me uh, positive self mm -hmm. and now that you explain this about uh, self-consciousness now it's, uh, it, it, it is much more clearer to me but did you notice that what I was just explaining to you is in different words exactly what paragraph 5 is telling us here. Because um, here he says the pure thought of oneself, right? That's the end of yeah. this paragraph. So in considering the will, he's not merely stating that the will is free will, um, but he's explaining a, a, a characteristic of our will. That there is an element of pure indeterminacy or pure reflection of the ego into itself. So, whenever I want something, I know I could also have wanted something else. Or what what makes that possible? Self-consciousness. Yes. If I was purely determined by the things outside of me, I wouldn't be aware of the fact that I could could have wanted something else. I wouldn't even be capable of uh, going beyond what I want at the moment to want something else in the next moment. I mean, it would happen. I, I look at one thing and I want that. I look at another thing by accident and I want that one. But I wouldn't be able to make the transition myself and, and remain the same. I want the apple and now I don't want the apple, I want my cup of coffee. And that is a process that is um, not something that you can describe in reality. By the way, he does say, and that is interesting, um, that at this stage of um, the will, by the way, here again in paragraph 7, the self-determination of the ego, that implies liberty or that implies freedom. Um, the ego determines itself. I mean, understand, um, uh, freedom is yeah. thought because it's self-determination, right? And you don't determine yourself with your feet or your hands or your heart. You do that with your brain, with your mind. That that's that's the the place where this self-reflection is going on. Don't take me literally on that. Eh? <laughs> I think it's. It's a thinking process, this, and and yet at the same time, it's um, human needs and and human desiring and human consumption are all determined ultimately by something that has nothing to do with consuming and desiring, but with thinking. I cannot help myself thinking within any kind of action uh, where I uh, eat or. Uh, desire something or um, uh, uh, move toward a specific purpose. There's always thinking involved. Not in the sense that you um, 
um, sit down on a chair and you close your eyes and you consider your options or whatever. This is immediate thought. This is so immediate that actually it, it can be far more clear to someone else watching you that you're free in what you do than it is to yourself. You, you're doing the thinking, but that's something other than to think the thinking, to be um, really self-aware of the thought process you're going through. So philosophy is this, the philosophy is this attempt to uh, really reflect on your own thinking process. But there is a lot of thinking involved in everyday activities, um, simply because uh, you, 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 I mean, um, you look at a child, three years old, and it has two things it, it might desire, and then ultimately it chooses one of the two. Hegel says, you as a parent can see that there is thought involved. But can the child express that it has been thinking about its two options? Of course not. It's not able yet to reflect on its own thought process. But it has a thought process, otherwise it wouldn't be able to choose. Because it really chooses, right? It, it, it's not that um, uh, one of the two impulses turns out to be the stronger one. That That's different. Uh, that, that's similar to sense certainty, or sense certainty in phenomenology just uh, comes before all of this. Um, no, I'm not sure that you can say that it comes before all this, because that, that's the phenomenology, right? That's about modes of cognition. Um, no, it, we're looking at the, the, the life of a human being that has needs and desires, and the question is, where does thought creep in? Now, I'm suggesting to you that you can find thought involved as soon as a human being can make a choice because there is a difference between uh, giving in to the stronger impulse which is what animals can do if you uh, have two pieces of candy before a dog it will sniff both and then it will eat the one that uh, is the most attractive to it because there is the higher uh, impulse going uh, out toward that with which um, um, uh, seems to be bigger or uh, more healthy and that's all in the instinct of the animal but the child can make a choice even the child at that age really chooses it can choose on grounds that are very difficult to discern other than the mere strength of the impulse so that, that's something that in psychology has been uh, uh, experientially uh, demonstrated. So this ability to choose presupposes, says Hegel, uh, thought. But that is not the, the adult version of reflexive thought that um, a philosopher uh, uh, is supposed to, uh, to have. So why is freedom a form of thinking? Because freedom is, first of all, about choosing. That's, that's the first immediate um, sphere it, uh, it has. It has more than that, you know. Uh, ultimately, individual choice is connected to something as happiness. 
ultimately the goal of whatever I choose, of this whole bundle of desires and choices and uh, uh, this particular acts of volition, all of that is toward the subject that is doing all of that. I want my own happiness, that is, I want the least restrictive way of living. I want to have my freedom as um, uh, large uh, as possible. Yeah, is that maybe part of the answer to your question? Yes, it is. It is is especially useful to stress that freedom is about choosing. That that made the click. That made the click that helped me understand. Uh, Because at that that point I realized uh, how, so I realized actually how thought becomes Mm. connected to freedom. The ability of choice, that, that first immediate. Yeah. Level. You must remember that the abstract free will um, is totally enveloped in uh, objects of this world. Um, okay, Merve has to take a rain check because the uh, uh, her system won't allow her coming back. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. And she can check out the uh, recording, hopefully. <clears throat> um, so you have to remember, this is the free will with lots of apples and oranges and cups of coffee and just stuff that is uh, Bread within and your stuff you can choose. Yes. And you can have something as, uh, in, in the sense of a purpose, uh, I mean, something that you want to achieve. Uh, you want to get to the next corner where there is the prune tree because you want to eat the prunes. Uh, all of that is contained in that. And it's very important that this whole process of choosing um, involves also this act of negation. Um, Negation is not an activity of the world. The world doesn't negate. Negativity is something that purely belongs to um, a thought process. Um, I never saw an apple ignore an orange or, uh, uh, let's say, um, uh, um, what's the word, Uh, negate itself. Mm. It's not, not, uh, not obviously, <laughs> but I think that is the important, very important point. It is. Remember yeah. that we talked about this this peculiar phrase that Hegel in the Tsuzats uh, mentioned, that he suddenly says, "Well, remember that the human being is the only being that can commit suicide," uh, and he used that as a uh, an illustration of the fact that our whole being is caught up in this possibility of negation, of self-negation even. But that's thought. Only thought can bring you to that point. And so maybe that's the reason that animals do not commit suicide. Uh, They can't. I mean, they can, let's say, give up. Uh, They can know that they're dying, or at least that they don't have strength anymore. Not sure that they 
have the concept of dying, of course. But the human being knows what it means to die and yet can uh, impose that on, on, on himself. So that to Hegel was just an illustration of the fact how powerful this uh, capability of negation is in a human being. And that is exactly the kind of power that we need um, in choosing something, in having a purpose, in going for it, in ultimately denying every kind of uh, gratification in order to uh, save and maintain our our, our our own ego, which is happiness. And happiness is the feeling that you are not determined by anything other than yourself. So it's the happiness that belongs to freedom. And nobody restricts me, nobody binds me, nobody uh, submits me to, to himself. Um, therefore, I'm truly free. And that is happiness, because in that freedom, what is it really that I experience? Of course, the apples and the coffee, etc., that is what I experience. But in all of that, in every act of gratification, in every act of the will, ultimately I'm not experiencing anything other than myself. It was what Emmanuel Levinas took out of Hegel uh, and, and uh, called this um, the, the enjoyment of something. Uh, the, um, so you are enjoying something other than yourself. Why is that? Because in that other thing, actually what you find and what you enjoy is yourself. And so that, that is Hegel's concept of happiness is very close to Levinas' concept of jouissance.